Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Wasn't it? That was old right there. But I get better with age. I was talking about wine, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You see the mixture that I just kind of put that in there with that? All right. Um, thank you, Randy. Thank you. I remember seven years ago when you walked in. I remember the story you told me, and I know there are countless many people like you that have seen their lives changed as a result of the faithfulness of this church. And so I'm thankful for you. Give yourselves a big hand. Great, so proud of you and what you do. Got a great day today, phenomenal day today. Um, I have a special guest that's with us. He is my pastor uh, from Dallas, Texas. Don't hold that against him. Um, He's a great man, been in ministry 40 plus years. And honestly, I'm so thankful for the men that God has put in my life that have shaped me, that have helped me, that speak into my life, that have the hard conversations that we need to have when it comes to the future that God has for us. And I'm thankful for Pastor Gerald Brooks, and I know that you're gonna love him. He's been here many, many times. I want you to stand up, put your hands together for Pastor Gerald Brooks. Come on, give him a big hand. I'm not, I'm not used to a walk-up song. That was just very, very good. Hey, uh, you know what I love about Troy is that he's out there raising money, and he looked so young back then, and he was like trying to show off to us that he needed to shave. And, and it looks like that first offering that God gave you a razor. So we're glad you use it now. And so I'm just, I'm just so happy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I need your help today. I do not know the people in this room. I don't know anything about the people in this room. But the most important thing is, is you know everyone in this room. You know the things that they hope and you know the things that they fear. You know the things that they dream and you know the things that they dread. You know the things that they tell everyone. But you also know the things they've never whispered to anyone. And because of that, you're the one who can minister. 
you can go beyond the facade of how we look right now and somehow speak to us and somehow go deep into our hearts and communicate. And today, I pray that that will happen. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you're going to do what only you can do. And when it's all said and done, you're going to help us to be more like Jesus than ever before in Jesus' name. We all agree together saying, Amen. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus spoke these words. He says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to take you back to 1919. The Great War, as they called it, they called it the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it wasn't. But World War I had just ended. But what had happened during World War I was that the British were very concerned that in what we would call the Middle East and the Arabian Peninsula, that the Ottoman Empire, where Turkey is, that they, while everyone was occupied with Europe, would begin to descend from there and they would take over that peninsula. They couldn't move troops over there and they couldn't get people over there because they were needed in Europe. But they sent this young lieutenant named uh, Lawrence and they sent him over there with this impossible mission. And that was to organize the nomadic tribes that had been uh, in that area and somehow congelled them into a fighting force to stop the Ottoman Empire from coming down. Through just a series of remarkable leadership moments, he was able to do that. But in doing that, he fell in love with the people around that peninsula. And he knew that there was an opportunity for them to become very influential in the world. So after the war was over, he wanted to take the key chieftains of all these nomadic tribes and he wanted to take them over into Europe to see the history of the world, to see the, the, the great colosseums that had been built in uh, literally thousands of years before to tour the art, to begin to acquaint them with a whole new world. He took them over there and they were able to see things they had never seen because they had just roamed a desert. But at the end of their trip, he had taken them to Paris, but something unique happened. When he took them to Paris, he put them in a hotel, and this particular hotel that they were at was a brand new hotel that had something that was new to that day. It was called running water. Up to that time, the only way that you had water in your room was they gave you a basin of water and you just would wash and you would clean with that. But this had running water. You could turn on a faucet and you can turn it off. But can you imagine if you had lived your whole life in a desert? What would be the one commodity that was most valuable to you? It would be water. These men were fascinated that they could literally be at the uh, wall and they could turn a faucet on and water would come and turn a faucet off and water would stop, turn it on, turn it off. And they were captured by this. He wanted to take them to several other places, but they wouldn't leave. They wanted to do nothing but be in the room, turn water on, turn water off. But in their world, this was something that they could only dream of, the possibilities that this would happen. 
He tried to convince them to go out. He tried to convince them to go see. But they were so fascinated. And they would just take turns, turning it on, turning it off, turning it on, turning it off. Finally, it was going to be time for them to return back to their lands. He went out to get the tickets that would be on the ship that they would be on. But when he came back to the hotel, he was caught off guard that there was a commotion that was going on. And the commotion that was going on was the fact that the police had surrounded the hotel. See, while he was gone and the chieftains knew that they were leaving that hotel, each one of them had taken the faucets in their room and had torn them out of the wall and had packed them to take them home. He walked in and he looked at them and he said, guys, what are you doing? And they said, we've got to show this to our people. The ability to turn it on and water comes, turn it off, water stops, turn it on, turn it off. And he said, guys, you don't get it. He said, the faucet isn't what you really need. He said, that faucet is connected to a line that goes into the basement of this hotel. And there's a giant reservoir of water that is contained there. But then there's a line that goes to a giant lake that is a giant reservoir. He says, you're falling in love with the faucet. And what you need is the reservoir. Now, I say that to you because what I want to say to you as a pastor of 44 years is that I've watched Christians fall in love with the faucet. Well, if we do church this way, let's turn it on. Well, if we don't do it this way, let's turn it off. Well, if we sing this kind of song, well, if we have this kind of meeting, and I've watched people fall in love with the faucet and miss the reservoir. And see, what God wants you to know is that when Jesus came, he said, it's to your advantage that I leave because if I leave, God's going to send you another comforter. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And what God knew was in your life, you needed something bigger than a faucet. You needed a reservoir, and that reservoir is the Holy Spirit. You needed to be able to tap into a vastness of who God is, that when you begin to come into the presence of God, that you're not limited to just turning something on and turning something off, but you've gone deep, and it goes all the way back to a reservoir. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the disposition of God giving you access to his power and his presence in a way that is unequal. And Jesus knew this was important. So he turned to his disciples and he said, guys, I need you to hang out here. Because in a few days, you're going to be baptized. But you're not going to be baptized with water. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got to understand, the book of Acts is the only history book that we have of the New Testament church. But in that book of Acts, there are six terms that describe what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and my life. There are six of them. I want to give them to you real quickly. We just read one of them. It is the term baptized. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first of six terms. There's a second phrase that describes the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and that's in verse 8, and the Spirit of God shall come upon you. So the first word is baptized, the second phrase is come upon, but then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, and you shall be filled with. 
you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the next ones in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, and the Spirit of God shall be poured out upon you poured out upon you. And then in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it says, you shall receive the Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 8, the last one, verse 16, it says, and the Spirit of God shall fall upon. So I need you to get it. In the book of Acts, God gave six terms that describe how God wants the reservoir to look in your life, how he wants it to function, how he wants that to occur. And he describes six words, the word baptize, the phrase come upon, the phrase filled with, poured out, received, and fallen upon. Each one of these terms describe the work of the Spirit in a different way. Because the Spirit's so vast, God couldn't give you one term, he gave you six. And each one of these terms describe something of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now today, I want to talk about two of those. Two of those terms to describe this reservoir that God wants to work in your life. The first one I want to talk to you about is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. John baptized you with water, but not many days hence you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand. When we use the word baptism, we think of a church word. When they heard the word baptism, they thought of a secular word. See, baptism was not a church word. It was a secular word in their day. Now, in our society, the word baptism is not going to come up in any boardroom. It's not going to come up in any classroom. It's only going to come up in context of church. We use the word baptism. Now, there's a little bit of struggle because there are three types of baptism described in the New Testament. There's being baptized in water. One day you accept Christ. Someone puts you in a tank filled with water or you're out at the lake or you're out at a river like I was and they immerse you showing that the old person has died, a new one has come up. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about being baptized into the body of Christ. You were outside the family of God. One day you said, I want God. And as a result of that, God the Father placed you in. The first one, you're placed in water. The second one, you are placed into the body of Christ. But the third one, the Holy Spirit is placed in you. You're baptized. Now, that was a secular word. It wasn't a church word. Here's what they heard. The word baptism in their day meant this. It was dyeing a garment. So you took a piece of cloth that was one color and you put it in a vat that was a different color. You submerged it and you brought it out and it became a new color. So the, the word baptism would be like dyeing a garment. You would put it in, it was one color, it would come out and it would be a different color. The second way baptism was used 
of a ship that was sunk. So a ship is on the sea. What happens? It's in the water, but then it sinks. The water's now in it. They would say that ship was baptized. We would say it's sunk. So two ways, you take a piece of cloth, you submerge it into a vat of dye. It comes out one thing, and as a result of having been put in, a ship that's sailing. The third way it was used of someone who was swimming and they drowned. We would say they were drowned. They were in the water, but when they drowned, what happened? Now the water's in them. They were baptized. That was the way this word was used. The fourth way it was used was if you were eating, you would have a little piece of bread and you would dip it in the wine and when you dipped it in, they said that was baptism. Now, I need you to get those four phrases. The idea of putting something in a vat, it goes in one way, it looks a different way. The idea of a ship that's sailing, it's in the water, but when it sinks, the water's in it. The idea of someone swimming, they're in the water, but when they drown, the water's in them. And then a morsel being put in some kind of flavor, and it goes in tasting one way, and it comes out another. I need you to get that. See, some of you believe in the power of baptism because I can look at you. Because I can tell you that's not the color of your hair. <laughs> you have a regular baptism service. <laughs> you schedule it about every six weeks. You go into a place looking one way, you spend a couple of hours, and you come out looking another way. People look at you and say, hey, your hair is different, and you know what? You look at them, and you say, I just got baptized. <laughs> Why? Because you went in looking one way, you came out looking another way, you looked one way going in, and then you came out. In fact, there are people sitting behind some of you that have been baptized, and they know you need to be baptized again because <laughs> they're starting. They're starting to see what your hair lo really looks like. And do and you know what's sad? Some of you are sitting behind men who have nothing to baptize. <laughs> There's just nothing to baptize. You couldn't baptize that. But see, baptism is about going in and looking one way, coming out and looking another. Some of you, when this church service is over, whenever I finally am quiet, you're going to go to a baptismal service. What you're going to do is you're going to find a restaurant. Now, this is North Carolina. You guys know how to baptize better than most states in the union. And then what you're going to do is you're going to or order biscuits and gravy. And you're going to take a piece of that biscuit and you're going to baptize that sucker. <laughs> and you're going to put it in that gravy because it's going to go in one thing and it's going to come out another thing. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Baptism 
is a term that describes God putting something, you into something and something into you so that you're changed. And the way that we look at your hair and we say, hey, your hair looks nice, it was baptized. And the way we take in Texas a salsa chip and we put it in the hot sauce and we baptize that, it went in one thing, it came out another. See, what Jesus was saying to his disciples is, I love you enough that I will not leave you the way you are. I'm not going to leave you the way you are. I'm not going to leave you with that angry attitude. I'm not going to leave you with that worried and stressed out mind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send the Spirit of God, and you're going to be baptized with Him. And when you're baptized with Him, it gives you the ability to be different from what you naturally are. You may be the easily offended person, but I'm going to turn you in to someone of love. You may be the easily stressed out individual, but I'm going to turn you into the person of peace. You may be the individual that struggles with uh, constant frustration, but I'm going to turn you into a person of patience. See, the whole nature of what baptism is, is to take you from one condition and move you to another. And see, what God refuses to do is to let you stay who you are. See, a lot of people want to go to church, but they don't want to be changed. And what Jesus said is, I want to baptize you. I want to take you from here, and I want to put you into here. I want to take you from this. I want to take you from that. So in the way the garment was put in, what was he saying? When you put a garment in a vat of dye, every fiber of it is changed. And that's what God wants to do. Now, let me be totally transparent. I've had the privilege to be married to the most beautiful girl for 44 years. But what I can also tell you is marriage is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the most difficult thing because marriage requires a transition. You no longer think about me, you think about we. And there's too many people who are married who still want to think about me. And if you think about me, you're not going to be married. Because marriage is about we, not me. Now, can I tell you, that's not my natural mindset. I want to think about me. I want to think about what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And I want to think about it in terms of just me. That is my natural tendency. I do not want a piece of the pie. I want the whole pie. That's my natural tendency. But there's only one thing that stops me from going to what I naturally want to be is the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, what he does is he offers possibilities that do not exist. So for the first time, you now have power to not be selfish. You now have power not to be consumed 
with your own desires. You have power to be focused on something that's bigger than you. And unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens is it's all about you. It's all about what you want to do. But God says, hey, to change you, I need to send somebody to give you some power so when you want to be selfish, you can think we more than me. When you want to be angry, you can think love more than hate. When you want to be stressed, you can think peace more than anxiety, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes the very fabric of who you are, the essence of who you are. He takes you from being this, that you were here. He puts you in the vat of dye, and you come out being this. He says, hey, you're a ship that was sailing your own course, but here's what's going to happen. Now you're going to be filled with water, and you're not going according to your will. You're going according to my will, and God just says, I want to baptize you. That term to them meant a total transformation. You're changed. You're different. You're able to think different. You're able to respond different. I told my son when I got on the plane, I said, I'm working on my nice skills today. I said, they're in very raw territory right now. But I'm going to work on nice today. Have any of you ever had to work on nice? But the fact of the matter is I can work all I want, and it's not going to be enough. It's only the Holy Spirit that can take me from what I naturally want to do. You know, we have that phrase in our society, well, just be you. That's the most selfish phrase in all of humanity. Just be you. You don't want me being me. Because you don't know the things that I think. You don't know the things that I want to do. You don't know the things that I'm fighting off doing. You don't want me to be me. You want me to be like Jesus. You don't want me to say everything I want to say and do everything I want to. And can I tell you something? I don't want you to be you. Because I don't even know you, but I think you a mess. In the name of Jesus. But here's the thing. The only possibility for me not being me is me having him in my life. So when the Bible says baptized, it's not talking about church. It's talking about someone who's opened up the fabric of their life and said, God, I want to be different. I know what I want to be, but I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the angry man. I don't want to be the short-tempered soul. I don't want to be the person at the light who immediately honks. Sorry to some of you. I don't want to be that. Is there something you don't want to be? The Holy Spirit has been sent to help you be different than you. Father, I pray that in this room right now, Lord, that 
All of us have things that we just don't want to be. But the Holy Spirit helps us not to be that. Thank you for helping us today. There's a second word I want to talk to you about. It's the second phrase. And it's in verse 8. Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. Now, the word baptism was a secular word. It wasn't a church word. But the phrase come upon, it was a church phrase. Every Jewish individual knew the phrase come upon. But the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. See, this was taken from the Old Testament. The way it was taken from the Old Testament is it would talk about how the prophet would be out there and the Spirit of God would come upon them. Now, in the Hebrew, it referred to an illustration like this, that someone has a jacket and they put it on your shoulders. So, you take something, a cloak, and you put it on someone's shoulder. That would be the phrase come upon. But in biblical terms, what it described was this. It described God enabling you to do something you could not ordinarily do. So God's going to take the Holy Spirit. He's going to put him on you so that you can do things that you could not ordinarily do. God's going to take the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. He enables you. See, the word baptism was about changing you. The phrase come upon was about enabling you. The word baptism changed you, but the word come upon enabled you. So now you're enabled to do something that you couldn't do. It's the illustration of Samson in the Old Testament, how that he had the Holy Spirit come on him, and there was great strength. There was great power. And so the first word, baptism, was about interior work of the Holy Spirit, but the second word is about exterior work of the Holy Spirit. It's about God using your life to have influence and impact that it could not have without the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you to give you the ability to do things you couldn't ordinarily do. I need to build a bridge. You're not getting it. If I were to ask this question, every guy in here would be able to answer it. What was your first car? Every guy knows their first car. Every guy. They may not remember the names of their kids, but they know <laughs> their first car. They may not know their anniversary, but they know their first car. Every guy knows his first car. Why? Because that's a transition point in life. You've got your first car. Now, my first car was a 1965 F85 Oldsmobile. Now, the way that car became mine was we bought it brand new. It was my dad's. He wrecked it. Then he gave it to my mom. <laughs> she drove it, and then she wrecked it, and then we gave it to my older sister. She drove it. She wrecked it, and when I became 16, it became mine. That car had matching dents on all four doors. It had been wrecked, 
but it was a tank. I loved that car. That car changed my life. I didn't have to worry about getting a ride anywhere. I could go anywhere I wanted to go at any time. I didn't have to bum a ride. I didn't have to try to do anything. I had my car. Now, here's the thing about that car. It had a hole in its muffler, so it sounded bad. So I would go to lights, and literally there would be a, another guy who had a nice car because he's from a wealthy family, and he'd rev his engine. Well, if I put a little gas on that mic, boom, 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 it sounded good, and it looked like we were going to race. And then the light changed. He took off, and I was still sitting there. <laughs> but I loved that car. But the thing about that car is it had power nothing. It didn't have power windows. If you were going to lower the windows there, you were going to get a forearm workout. You were going to go like this, and you were going to go like this, and you were going to go like this. And then after you did it about five times, it would crack about that much. <laughs> and you just go like this, and you go like that, and then you get it down, and you just do that. It didn't, it didn't have power brakes. If you broke this car... You look like Fred Flintstones. Your feet were going out the bottom of this car. You're sitting there, and you're trying everything. There'd be people watching you as you'd come to a stoplight, moms walking their little kids, and all of a sudden they see you, and they see your head go down there hollering, oh, he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. You're doing the best you can. You're pumping. You're going as far down as you can. It didn't have power brakes. It didn't have power steering. If you're going to steer that thing, it was hand over hand over hand. In fact, when I would go to lunch at, at school, my best friend and I, we had a plan because it took two hands to turn that well. So we had a strategic choreographed plan of how we would turn that well. And when we would turn that wheel, I'd have a hamburger, I'd be using one hand, he'd have a hamburger, he'd reach with his other hand, and he would turn it. There were no power seats. If you were going to change the seats, you got out, you unlocked both sides, you moved it. It had power nothing. Now, the thing about that car is it got me from A to B. I love that car. If I wanted to go here, it would get me there but it had power nothing. About three years later, I got another car. Now, I love that first car because it's our first love. Every guy remembers the first car. But now, I have a different car. But this car has power everything. See, now I can drive cool. You know, just the little light hand kind of thing. I can lower the windows. I remember the first day I got it, I just sat in the driveway watching the windows go up and down. <laughs> I was just so happy. I didn't have to work out my thighs to stop that car. I just touched the brake and it would stop. See, my first car could get me from here to there. But my second car could get me from here to there. I just didn't have to work while I was getting there. And what I want to say to you is the day that you accept Christ, God says, 
you're going from here to there. You're going from earth to heaven. But while you're down here, God wants you to have power. So let me ask you, if you went to a dealership, today is a bad illustration of it since they don't have cars, but let's go back to before COVID. If you went to a dealership and you went into their little room where you're negotiating the deal and the GM looks at you and says, you know what, I'm going to give you a free upgrade. You're not even going to pay for this. It's not going to cost you one penny. Just an upgrade. I'm going to give you this for free. Everyone in here would take it. Everyone in here would want it. It's free. But I watch Christians who come into church know they're going from heaven to earth. But God says, I want to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And they say, well, I'm not sure if that's for me. Why wouldn't you take the free upgrade? See, for some of you being a Christian so hard, and it's because you haven't taken the upgrade. Jesus said, I'm leaving. I've already gone to the cross. I rose from the dead. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll help change the fabric of your life. But he'll not only do that, he'll give you power to live in this life. So why don't you just open your heart to his power? Now in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, and they received the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That's a heavenly prayer language. People say, well, I don't understand about that heavenly prayer language. Let's put it this way. It is the ability to pray a perfect prayer when you don't know how to pray. It's just the ability to pray a perfect prayer when you don't know how to pray. Why wouldn't you want that upgrade? If I took you back to 2005, my sister's dying of stage four colon cancer. It is metastasized all through her spine. There's no amount of medication that man has ever created that is going to stop her from being in pain. Basically, they call it hospice, but in medical terms, it's calling, called whiting someone out. You just give them enough drugs that they're going to go. And as a result of that, what happened was that my sister would call me. And after church, I would go and I'd hold her hand. And I'd say, sis, we're going to pray in the spirit. Remember praying a perfect prayer when you don't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray for that kind of pain. And we'd pray all night, and she would look at me and she'd say, Gerald, this is the only time I'm not in pain when I'm praying in the Spirit. I don't have the answers to every theological questions people think I do, but I don't. But I do know this. Jesus said, I want to give you power. And that power comes when you receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, I don't know why you wouldn't want the upgrade. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for taking these words, these thoughts, and ministering 
them to our hearts in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you will do what I can't do. You will speak to people and you will minister to them. You will make truth alive to them. I pray, Father, for people that are struggling and they're going from A to B and they're living with the stress and the strain of life and it just seems like every day is bigger than them, that today would be the day when they would want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. I pray for the people, Lord, that are in this room and, and, and they're faced with circumstances and they say, I just don't know what to do. That, Father, today would be the day that they would have that prayer language where they can pray a perfect prayer that they don't know how to pray otherwise. Today, Lord, I ask that you would speak to these people and minister to them in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you three questions. Number one, do you have a relationship with the Father God? If you don't, that's the most important relationship you will ever have. Do you know that you've placed your faith in Christ? That is the most dynamic relationship. So let me put it in simple terms. Do you know if you were to be in an accident and you were to close your eyes today for the last time that you would open your eyes in heaven? If you don't know that, I want to pray with you. Because what the Bible says is, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. The second thing, maybe you would say, hey, I know that I believe in God, but there's a second question. If you do believe in him, are you close to him? See, believing in him and not being close to him are two different things. I know a lot of people who have faith in God. They're just not close to him. Jesus didn't come into your life to be a part of your life. Jesus came into your life to be the center. If you're not close to him, I want to pray for you. But if you've placed your faith in Christ and you're close to him, then thirdly, have you ever been filled with the Spirit and received that heavenly prayer language? If you haven't, today's the day. Because God wants to give you the free upgrade. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. Any one of those three areas, you know that I'm talking to you. I want to pray with you. If you'd like to be a part of that prayer, if you would just raise your hand wherever you're at right now. I see that hand. 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 If you could just do me a favor. There's no games here. I've done ministry too long. But I really do want to pray for you. And so what I'd like you to do is if you raised your hand, if you would just come up here and just stand right down here. You don't worry about anybody. This isn't about anyone. This isn't about anything. This is just about you. It's just about you and Jesus. And today, God just wants to minister to you. And it's going to be simple ministry. And so we're going to pray a prayer. And then Troy's going to tell you what to do next. If you'll just look at me, Jesus loves you so much. He's so thrilled every day when you wake up to see you. He loves you. He cares about you. You are important to him. We're going to pray a prayer that's going to do one of three things. The first thing, if you don't know him, you'll get to know him. Second thing, if you know him, but you're distant, you're going to come close. But the third thing, if you know him and you're close and you want to be filled, 
today will be the day that that happens. Now, church isn't about spectator sports. You're either receiving in faith or helping someone else receive in faith. So here's what I want. Everyone in here, we're going to pray this prayer to help them. If everyone will repeat after me, if you just close your eyes, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you said in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that I would be saved. Today I'm doing that. I believe with all my heart that you are my Lord. Therefore, I thank you for saving me and changing my life forever in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Spirit and to give me my heavenly prayer language. And I believe that when hands are laid on me, I will instantly receive the Holy Spirit and my heavenly prayer language. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for loving Jesus enough that you're willing to take a step towards him. Thank you for doing that. Let me just say how proud I am of Troy and the ministry here and how much we love you. For the rest of you, you're a part of a great church. I wish they had time to describe it to you. We have some resources in the back if that's of interest. Troy, I turn it to yeah. you. Why don't we all stand up? Can we just give these people a big hand clap? Isn't that fantastic? Stay right here if you could. I'm, uh, I'm super proud of you as well. Just, um, just excited to see what God's gonna do in your life. You know, um, many of you know the story, don't know the story, but when my daughter was in utero, my second child, she had tumors all in her brain. Um, and the doctors gave us basically one of two things. She was going to be a Down syndrome baby or she was going to die. That was, that was the prognosis. She's going to have Edwards syndrome, an extra chromosome added to her DNA, and she was going to die within the first year. You can't touch your baby. You can't hold her. You know, she's, she's, she's in utero. You can't do anything. All we could do, Penny and I could do, I was so thankful that I, as a young guy at that time, I had a relationship where the Holy Spirit had come upon me and I had a language that I could pray. I had a, a prayer language when I didn't know what to pray. I mean, how do you pray for a child you can't touch? I'd never experienced anything like that, never went in through anything. And I'm so thankful for that prayer language. Um, I pray as often as I can. When I dismiss you in just a minute, um, our campus pastors are gonna be sitting, standing right outside of the Connect Lounge and they wanna pray for you. There's gonna be leaders out there that wanna pray for you. Matter of fact, let's do it like this. Why don't you stay right here and our leaders are gonna come up where you are. Just take a second. We're no, no rush to get to the next service. They can wait, okay? I want somebody to lay hands on you. And so our leaders are gonna come and just lay their hands on you. Just pray for you real quickly because that's what the Bible says. And that's what Pastor Gerald prayed is that hands would be laid on you and you would pray. The people that are praying for you are going to be praying in their heavenly language. Don't get nervous. This is awesome. This is incredible. 
And some of you are going to begin to pray right away. Before you leave today, do me one favor. Can you do me one thing? Before you leave, I want you to go by Guest Central and I want you to grab this book, Following Jesus. Now, I know some of you are already following Jesus, but there are two chapters in this book about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to read those two chapters. So our Guest Central, please don't leave without grabbing this book. I know some of you are volunteers in the church and you've probably never seen this book because we talk about it all the time for people who are new to the church. But I want you to grab it and I want you to, if anything, just read those two chapters. It'll help you get a good understanding of what happened to you today. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I barely knew Jesus. Seriously. Like we had just got acquainted. We had just, I just got to know him. So, and it was good for me because my mind didn't get in the way of something that I didn't understand. And it really helped me. And so I want to encourage you that. Aren't you, aren't you thankful, church, that we can come and let God change us? We got great resources. This whole series that we're in, Trinity, is going to be a phenomenal series. We got lots of stuff coming up. I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then we're going to go home. Can we just lift our hands to heaven? Just, just thank God. Father, we're just so grateful today. We're so thankful for all that you've done in our life. Father, we're not going to be uh, focused so much on the spigot. On, Father, we're going to be focused on the reservoir that you put in this, inside of us Father, thank you for changing us today. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. You are dismissed. Hang right here. Some people are going to pray for you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.